Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's it's looking like uh, it's going to be Gardner. Um, Jalen did everything he possibly could to to get his body ready to go, and it just at the end of the day, he's, he's not gonna he's not gonna be able to do it. And he, man, he he tried like crazy, um, and I know he still wants to go. Um, that's just the the toughness that he. This is Jalen Hurts is the toughest player I've ever been around. Gardner will be our guy, and Gardner will be ready. Gardner worked his butt off uh, to for this opportunity uh, against a really good football team, and uh, had a great practice yesterday. I think I think you guys uh, have all heard that uh, how good a practice he had yesterday. A lot of energy out there, and uh, yeah, he's ready to go. The Philadelphia Eagles taking full advantage of the fact that they don't have to rule the guy out until two days before the game, playing the games that most teams do. We think he'll play. We don't know. We're preparing for him to play. The Jets did that with Mike White going into last week, and it's what you do. If you can get the other team to spend any amount of time preparing for the guy other than the one they'll see, it's a win, and that's what the Eagles did. And I think we sensed all along. Once the the odds swung, the spread swung, the MVP odds went from Jalen Hurts to Patrick Mahomes, that's when I think we all knew it was going to be Gardner Minshew. And, Shereen, the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that knows very well. We talked about the 2017 AFC Championship game, 2017 NFC Championship and Divisional Round and Super Bowl victory, all because the Eagles had a backup quarterback who could come in and get it done. They view backup quarterback as a top 11 position on the entire roster And they got Gardner Minshew from the Jaguars last year for a song. But the Jaguars wish they still had this guy on his rookie contract. Very cheap and very effective. And he played well last year when he got an opportunity. I don't see why he won't play well this year, Shereen. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. He did have a loss to the Cowboys last year in Week 18, but both teams had nothing to play for, and it wasn't really the starters in there, 51-26 
was the final, but he played pretty well, 186 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. And, and frankly, I don't think, you know, when you look at his 22 starts, Mike, 8-14, and 14, but the Jaguars were so bad in some of those years. I just don't think you can hold that against him uh, with the way that he's, he played in some of those games because they didn't have the talent around him. And the Eagles certainly do have the talent around him, and they're better a team than when they played the Cowboys last year, and they've still got to win one of their last three. So they're going to go all out. They're, it's not going to be a thing where they're going to rest their starters for this game. Now, if they win this game, they certainly might over the next two games. But they're not going to do that against the Cowboys this week, and they've still, to me, got a great chance to win this game with or without Jalen Hurts, and we know they're going to be without him. So... I think Gardner Minshew can get it done this week and they can clinch that number one overall seed, and then they will have a chance to rest their starters the rest of the way. The line has moved a little bit toward the Eagles over the past day or so now that we know it is Minshew. Cowboys now minus four. I think it was four and a half or five yesterday. Sims picked the Eagles to win this one straight up, and that's a gutsy move because, look, the Cowboys have been waiting for this one. The Cowboys have played in lackluster fashion the past two weeks, I believe, because they've been yeah. ultra-conscious of what's to come against the Eagles. You got Micah Parsons talking, and I know how that all happened, but that became a thing where the Eagles kept saying, we're focused on the Bears. Michael Parsons ended up, because of the thing he said on Von Miller's podcast, he had to talk about the Eagles in the week that they should have been focused on the Jaguars, and they lost. So this is one that they've been waiting for, Shireen. Dallas Goddard expected to be back on the field for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles have lost four straight in Dallas, each of the last three by 20 or more points, but a win does deliver the number one seed for the Eagles. And and yeah, without Jalen Hurts and with the Cowboys losing last week, it does create less of a sense of sizzle because it's still going to be an uphill climb yeah. for the Cowboys to topple the Eagles. But they need this game to cement their standing as the five seed at a minimum and to keep hope alive of maybe finding a way to draw an inside straight and win the division. Let's hear from Dak Prescott on whether or not this game against the Eagles, who are 13-1, and one, is about the Cowboys making a statement. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, and if anything, it's about making a statement to ourselves. Um, just about, uh, as you look in the season, we've had some games where we played really well, and then we had some games where we've, we've bit ourselves in the foot and had some games where we didn't and we lost. So, um, yeah, this is about putting our best foot forward, putting our best effort out there, uh, and proving it to ourselves in all three phases that uh, we're a hell of a team and we can go get it done against one of the best teams in the league, whether they're in our division or not. Bit ourselves in the foot sounds like it's something Sims should say. Frankly, doesn't it? Yeah. Or, or what was it? Rex Ryan, maybe. Yeah. Well, well, well Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, hang your stockings. Um, <laughs> anyway, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, do, do you believe that the Cowboys need to make a statement of themselves? I would say they do based on how yes. they've played their last two games for as dominant as they were. And it just shows you how seasons shift and change. You don't want to be dominant too early. You want to be dominant in January, not in November. Yeah, and, and they're not playing very well right now, Mike. That's the bottom line in all this. They should have lost to the Texans two weeks ago. They did lose the Jaguars. And, and we, again, when we're looking at that schedule, you're thinking, oh, those are two easy wins for the Cowboys. And 
and they should have been. And they struggled against the Texans start to finish, and then they lost a 17-point lead to the Jaguars uh, in Jacksonville last week. So this is a team that's not playing very well. So the main thing is they need to go out there and play well and show again what they showed against the Vikings in the fourth quarter against the Colts. Uh, After those games, Mike, we were talking about this team as being a contender, as being one of the best teams in football. And I don't look at them now and think that at all after the last two weeks. I just don't. I just think this is another team that could possibly go to Tampa and lose in the first round. It's Tom Brady. I know what the Bucs are. They've lost twice to Tampa over the last two years. They lost a season opener to Tampa at home this year. They lost to Tampa on the road in the season opener last year. This team should want no part of the Buccaneers. They should root hard for the Falcons or the Panthers or or whoever to win that division uh, and it not be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because this team absolutely could go to Tampa and lose in the first round. Then you're in the same spot you were last year and potentially without Mike McCarthy as your head coach moving forward. Now, having said all that, I do think they go into Tampa and win. But do they look like, Mike, a team that can go on the road even two weeks in a row and win? Do you have confidence they could go into uh, San Francisco and, and pull that out? I don't. I don't even think they could go back to Minnesota and do what they did. Certainly not do what they did, but I don't even think they could win if they went back to Minnesota in the postseason. They just don't look like, to me, a team that could go on the road and win three uh, uh, road games in a row to get to the Super Bowl. They don't look like that. And maybe after that, Minnesota and Colts game, I would have said, yeah, I I absolutely think they can do that. I could think they can do what the Bengals did last year, but I don't look at them that way, Mike, after what we've seen over the last two weeks. My my opinion of them has changed. Potentially would have to go to Philadelphia, depending upon what happens with the sixth seed and the seventh seed. Yeah, It's either San Francisco, Minnesota, or Philadelphia at this point where they'd have to go if they do beat the Buccaneers. But I would agree with you, they'd be in danger – against the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers beat them 19-3 to to start the season, same scores we had last night. And so I would be concerned. And, you know, Shereem, when the Cowboys ascended this year, the popular narrative of which I uh, participated was Mike McCarthy's safe. No more Sean Payton. Don't have to worry about Sean Payton talk anymore. He's good to go. He's fine. It's all good. And as you said, and, and again, the spirit of the holiday, let's not get a guy fired, but this is the reality and this is what they sign up for. And this is one of the reasons why they make so much money because those jobs do dangle by a thread, depending upon whether or not you've lived up to expectations. If they go one and done this year. Yeah. I think the Sean Payton talk starts again. Now I, I I've started to wonder this year, Shereem, whether or not the Jerry Jones bluster about you'd be surprised at the size of the check I'd write to win a Super Bowl. And, you know, I I think some of that may be bull crap. I think some of that may be just aimed at keeping the stadium full. I don't know that he's as obsessed with winning another championship as he pretends to be because that's what you need to do to keep your fan base fully engaged. He's got his three trophies. And then I know the narrative's been for so long that we don't even question it, that all he wants to do is win a Super Bowl that he can say, I built the team. But we've talked about this before. He doesn't like to fire coaches when he still owes them money on their contracts. Well, isn't that part of the check you would write to win a Super Bowl? This is his chance to prove it. If he truly believes it, if they fail to win in the wild card round and Sean Payton, the guy he was going to hire early 2019, 
It's outlined in the book that is lurking over Shireen's right shoulder. It was going to happen. At the last minute, it didn't happen. This is his chance, probably his last chance to get Sean Payton. If he's willing to write that giant check, part of it is to pay Mike McCarthy to leave. Part of it is to get Sean Payton through the door, and it would be a big check, and it would involve draft picks to the Saints. Let's see if he really means it if if this current track continues. But that's the thing about the current tracks in the NFL. They're roller coaster tracks because the next thing you know, they could beat the crap out of the Eagles again and they could win out and we could be feeling very differently about the Cowboys by the time the playoffs roll around. That just shows you how quickly it can change in the NFL. Well, no question about that, Mike. And you talk about him wanting to write that check and build the team so that people say, oh, Jerry Jones built this team. It wasn't Jimmy Johnson, which I think is still how people look at that. But he, he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, I don't know that he any longer needs that validation. He has the validation. You don't go in the Hall of Fame twice. He's got the gold jacket. He's not giving up that gold jacket, and he's not giving up that gold jacket even for another Super Bowl. He has that. He's been validated. There's nothing else to obtain for him personally other than more Lombardi trophies. So I'm with you there that I don't know that he has to build a team to win a Super Bowl. I think he wants to build a team to win a Super Bowl. There's no question about that. But is he fully committed to spending the money that it would take and doing all the things? I don't know. I, you know, I, I really, I don't know. And, and I think if they do go one and done in the postseason, he's going to be put to that test on whether he's willing to spend the money, whether he's willing to step back. That's an even bigger thing than willing to spend the money it's going to take to buy out Mike McCarthy and to get Sean Payton would be Payton's insistence on him backing up in personnel and letting Sean Payton handle some of the personnel calls or all of the personnel calls. That's something I don't know that Jerry's going to be willing to give up. But I think the fact that he was ready to do it nearly four years ago implies very strongly he's already been to that brink. He's already accepted that's what it takes. I have to be prepared to let Sean Payton make some of these decisions. I have to have a seat at the table, a real meaningful seat at the table for Sean Payton. So we'll see how it goes. I'm just, you know, it it dawned on me at some point within the past two or three years that whenever you hear owners say, we just want to win the Super Bowl, we're trying to win the Super Bowl, maybe, hopefully it was more than three years that I figured this one out, that it's just, (laughs) it's just talk aimed at keeping the fan base fully engaged. We're trying to keep the audience fully engaged and we'll do so by moving the program along. More PFT Live to get you ready for week 16, which gets going Saturday this week with most of the games. We'll keep talking about them when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. 
Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That is hilarious. I had not seen that. Well done, Denver Broncos. Literally the best thing you've done this year. (laughs) Ouch. But it is. That was good. (laughs) All right. Uh, They play on Christmas Day in the eat a lot of turkey and take a long nap. Broncos at the Rams game. Before we get to that, though, Christmas Eve, Giants at the Vikings. The Vikings coming off of... The biggest come-from-behind win in NFL history. We talked earlier about the Jaguars, how they were able to process the emotions of catching the Cowboys down 17, winning the game in overtime, going on the road and winning on a short week. The Vikings, we saw what happened to them against the Cowboys after they had the emotional win in Buffalo. 40-3 to was the final score there. You think the Vikings can refocus? They're doing the whiteout. Although they don't have white helmets, they've got white jerseys, white pants, white stadium, White end zones, white everything. They should just open the roof and let it snow inside the dome. It, it's not retractable, but that's just a detail. Do you think they can focus and get it done against the Giants, who who feel pretty good about themselves after beating the Commanders and pretty much have the sixth seed in their grasp, Shereen? Yeah, I think the Vikings get it done at home, Mike. Hey, they've finally gotten to where they've scored more points than they've given up, 351 to 349. That 32nd-ranked defense, though, Mike, is still a huge concern for them. The passing yards that they've given up are a huge concern for them. The 31st in passing defense. They've got to try to get that fixed, and I don't know how you do that, but they're fortunate that that's not really what the Giants do really well. So I I think they'll win this game, and I think they'll win this game handedly, and I I think that Colts game could do a lot for them going forward, that it provides them something of momentum uh, going forward. Now, you're right. We thought that with the Bills game, and it didn't work out that way quite so much. But I do think that this, at this point in the season and now coming home to play the Giants, I, I think they're going to take care of business and take care of business quickly. And look, here's the reality. I don't want to be a naysayer any more than I already am. 
beating the Colts while down 33 nothing not nearly as impressive as coming back and beating, you know, a good team if you're down 33 nothing, but they still did it. And yeah, at some point Kirk Cousins was talking about this. At some point you feel like there's a special unique quality to the team and if the players believe it, that serves them well in the postseason. It's something Patrick Peterson told me a few weeks back after their win over the Jets that they're starting to sense the opponents projecting this notion of, oh, no, they're going to do it again. And I would suspect they got that vibe from some Colts players as it was happening on Saturday as that lead disappeared and the Vikings pulled off the victory. Bengals at the Patriots. Cincinnati 10-4. and They clinched a playoff berth last night by virtue of the Jets' loss. The Patriots 7-7, seven and seven, trying to rebound from – one of the craziest, most embarrassing and confounding endings of a game that you will ever see in any sport. Can the Patriots get themselves back on the right side of 500 and stay in the playoff chase, Shereen? No, and they're banged up in the secondary, Mike, which is not going to help them against those receivers with the Bengals. And this is a team, you know, we talk about the roller coaster of a season. The Bengals weren't a team early on that we were talking about, you know, being in the conversation to get back to the Super Bowl, and now we are. They may be playing better than any other team in the NFL right now. They're playing really, really well. I'm a big believer in the Bengals, and I'm a big believer in what they can do in the postseason, and I believe in them more than I believe in Mac Jones, and I believe in Matt Patricia. And I guess that's a question, you know, we talk about, spinning it forward you know what's the future for Mac Jones and what's the future for Matt Patricia in New England with the way they played I mean Mac Jones has just been kind of been eh. I mean he's been better than Zach Wilson but it's not like he's been good and maybe that this is an opportunity after the season if the Patriots don't make the postseason to step back and say this guy's not going to get us over the hump we need to change our idea at quarterback and go find a different quarterback. Hey, maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo coming back to save the day for New England. And look, you mentioned that it's time to think about the future of Mac Jones and Matt Patricia. I think we're getting close to the point where there needs to at least be a conversation about the future of Bill Belichick. That's a conversation for another day. That's something that Sims and I have kicked around recently. Let's see what happens on Saturday. Let's see how the season ends, but this is not sustainable. And I don't care how many Super Bowls you've won. The Patriots fans aren't going to stand for this, and ownership isn't going to stand for it if they don't turn something around. And that loss was so embarrassing and so uncharacteristic of a Bill Belichick coach team that it has to be alarming to the folks who write the big checks to people like Bill Belichick. Commanders at the 49ers. The Commanders desperately need this one after losing on Sunday night in a game that had some questionable officiating down the stretch. Bottom line is they still lost. And the other bottom line is the 49ers at 10-4 and four are uh, getting better and better all the time. They've won seven in a row. Brock Purdy getting a couple extra days this time after the Thursday night game. Better defense they're going to face this week. Probably the best defense he's seen all year other than his own at practice. You think Brock Purdy can keep it going? Yeah, I do. And I just think I, I'm a believer in the 49ers and what they have. And Brock Purdy maybe wouldn't be doing this with another team, Mike, say the Houston Texans or somebody like that. But he's certainly doing it with the 49ers with all the talent they have around him. Even without Debo Samuel, he's getting it done. And so I just think that speaks to how good that defense is. And it's really, really good. Uh, how good that offensive line is, how good of weapons that this team has. I, I just think it's great. Now, 
Once you get to the postseason, we know the history of rookie quarterbacks in the postseason, 9 and 19. I think they are uh, with the 19 rookie quarterbacks who played in the postseason in their careers. But this team is so good. My, I am a big believer in the 49ers, and I just think this is going to be another game where they're just going to roll uh, or should roll over the commanders at home. You know, I had a thought while you were saying that, and I'm just going to tug on the thread a little bit here. This falls into my soapbox slash crusade that there shouldn't be a draft and that the players should be able to pick where they go. Salary cap space should be allotted based upon how good or bad you are. That's how you preserve some competitive balance. But I think it's a disservice to the Zach Wilsons of the world to walk through the door with this weight of the world on their shoulders coming from their draft pedigree. Brock Purdy comes in with no pressure whatsoever. If there was no draft, and it would be like college where, hey, this is our recruiting class this year. This is the quarterback that we have this year. It just has a different vibe, and it reduces some of the pressure on those players taken, especially in round one. Just a thought that I had. But look at what Purdy's been able to do. Developing quietly with no pressure, no expectations, walks out onto the field, and he's a finished product. Just something to think about. For those out there who like me, and there aren't many, but you know what? I've convinced some people that maybe there shouldn't be an NFL draft, and Zach Wilson would be exhibit A as to why it can be very bad for the players. Lions at the Panthers. Detroit is now in prime playoff position, although they do need to keep winning, and they are in need of some help. The Panthers win their next three, and they win the division, even though they're currently 5-9. and nine, They would win the NFC South at 8-9, and nine, no matter what anyone else in the division does. Who do you think comes out on top? By the way, by the way, it's going to be most likely the coldest game ever played in Charlotte as this bomb cyclone makes its way across the country. Jared Goff used to be a guy that didn't perform well in the cold. Now it's not a factor. Do the Lions get to 8-7, and seven, Shereen? Well, I would love to pick the Lions. My guy, Dan Campbell, I think he's done an amazing job there, and I would like to see the the Lions win to keep their playoff hopes alive. I've just enjoyed watching this team. You talk about how we've had to kind of change our visions of what some of these helmets look like, and we've always looked at the Lions and gone, well, that's a game we don't want to see. Well, now I think you want to see the Lions play with the way they've played. But Jared Goff has been two different quarterbacks at home. 20 touchdowns, three interceptions, a 106.9 rating on the road, three touchdowns, four interceptions, an 82.5 passer rating on the road. So he just hasn't been the same quarterback on the road. As you said, this is a really good defense. Now, a lot depends on how Taylor Heineke plays against that Lions defense, which he has a chance to play better than he did against the Giants defense. So... I would probably pick the Panthers to win that game, but I I would really love to see the Lions win and take that next step to get above 500. Just because, just what you said, Mike, we want to see teams that are hot make the postseason, teams that are playing well, and the Lions suddenly are a team that I want to see play every week. I I want to turn on and see the Lions play, and I never would have thought I was going to say that, especially with the way they started at 1-6. and Even though Jared Goff's record and performance not as great away from home. He isn't as abysmal as he used to be playing outdoors in the elements. And Sims made a great point yesterday. Even though the Lions play in a dome, they live and work and move around in the cold. It's not a shock for Jared Goff. He's out in it. They practice in it. So it's different than living and being in L.A. all the time, and then you have to go to Chicago at least at least he gets a taste of it and 
and gets a chance to get comfortable throwing the football or less uncomfortable throwing the football in the elements than he used to be. Last one on the docket, Seahawks at Chiefs. And Shireen, I don't know if you react to this the same way I do, but every time these teams cross paths, I think AFC West and I think Derek Thomas because it was a Seahawks at Chiefs game in 1990 that had the single-game record for sacks. Dave Craig, I believe, got sacked seven times by Derek Thomas. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if I recall this correctly, Craig like got hit, he dropped the ball, he picked it up and threw a touchdown pass to beat the Chiefs. That's the footnote to that game. Derek Thomas had seven sacks, but he missed an opportunity for number eight that allowed Craig to throw the game-winning touchdown pass. And part of my brain is telling me you're wrong about that, you're misremembering it, so now I'm going to have to look it up. But I think that's how it went. Wow, I didn't remember the ending to that game. I did remember Derek Thomas dominating. That's the funny thing. It's like the Odell Beckham catch. I was there for that. Hey, great catch. Giants lost that game. So there are a lot of plays like that and a lot of great performances <laughs> like that when, when the teams ultimately lose that game. But, you know, Mike, the Seahawks have lost four or five. This is a huge test for them. If they want to stay in the, in the postseason race, they've got to win this game. And I just don't see how they do it. I just don't think they're playing – uh, the way that, that they need to be playing to beat a team like the Chiefs. And again, we're talking about teams that we want to see in the postseason. I'm not sure the Seahawks are that team that I want to see in the postseason the way they're playing right now. I, I could change my mind. If they win this game, I'll completely change my mind and say, all right, they're, they're legit, but they're going to have to win this game for me to say that. Dave Craig threw a 25-yard touchdown pass to Paul Scancy wow. as time expired whirling away from what appeared to be the eighth sack by Derek Thomas as the Seahawks beat the Chiefs 17-16 in Kansas City. And I think I know that story as well as I do because Coach Dungy, I believe, was on the Chiefs coaching staff at the time. So he lived it that day when Derek Thomas had the seven sacks and barely missed the eighth and the Seahawks ultimately won the game. I think the Chiefs are going to win this one. I feel like the Seahawks have had their moment. They've had their time. And ever since the game in Munich... That's when it all turned, and that defense continues to be exposed. And it's been fun to watch. They get the high pick from the Broncos. The future is bright. They did better this year than anyone thought they would do. But I I feel like the end of the road is here for the Seahawks. The end of the road is here for this segment. When we return, a deeper dive in Packers-Dolphins. The only good game for Christmas Day. It starts at 1 o'clock Eastern, and it should be a fun one. We'll get you ready for it when PFT Live continues right after this. Sorry, I'm a couple minutes late. I, um, Aaron Rodgers just caught me in the hallway and wanted me to go through the handshake. <laughs> I got like I got four of them wrong, and uh, he kind of wasn't happy about it. So a lot better in training camp, though. I think I got eight of them wrong in training camp, and I feel like I'm on the I'm on the uptake right now with the with the signals. So. Rich Masaccia, guy who guy. maybe should have been the Raiders head coach. That's a different story altogether. <laughs> Special teams coordinator, the Packers, poking fun at the the story of the week. From last week, it was late last week, and I never got around to writing about the hand signals article from Kalen Kaler of The Athletic. It was very well done. It was very well sourced. Everybody was on the record. It was current players, former players. Jordan Love provided some of the most telling quotes about how this whole system works, the secret hand signals that aren't reduced to writing anywhere, and they expect the receivers to know them even if they've never been with the team before. How am I supposed to know them? How am I supposed to find them out? It took 
a next level when Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show and just completely trashed the article, which I thought was uncalled for. I thought it was over the top. It was factually incorrect because McAfee said they were anonymous sources and Aaron Rodgers, who knew damn well that they weren't, didn't correct him and say, no, it was people on the record. It was my teammates who were talking. You know, I'm just saying that the whole subject isn't worthy of discussion because everybody does this or whatever the case may be. He just painted with such a broad brush. And the problem is there's this cult-like mentality out there. There's so many people out there who lock on to personalities. And haven't we learned the cost of that in recent years? And I'd like to think the ice is thawing on this idea that we aren't going to think for ourselves. We're just going to blindly sign up for these personality cults that are prevalent in sports media and everywhere else. But this Aaron Rodgers cult doesn't want to hear the truth, doesn't want to consider the reality, and doesn't want to even read the article to look at it and say, this seems significant. This doesn't seem like irrelevant horse crap. This actually seems like maybe one of the reasons why the Packers struggled early this year. Well, and you look at the end of that game, Mike, they showed up close, tight, the the hand signal he made to Christian Watson there at the end of the game, and Christian Watson didn't get it and didn't get his touchdown, and then they took the kneel downs at the end of that game, and Rodgers' quote was, guess what? He said, uh, if he wants to score touchdowns, he is going to have to run the right route. Well, what the route he ran was not the hand signal. So we saw it right there. We saw the hand signal that he made before that play to Christian Watson. There it is. So, it, yes, it was a legitimate story. It was very well done, and it was all on the record. Sources, nobody off the record. So I don't know what Rodgers was talking about. In fact, was he just didn't want people to know about that and figure out what their hand signals were. But we, we've seen it. We know that's the case. It's got to be frustrating for the players. It's almost like being in a bad family relationship where you're expected to read someone's mind. Right. Like, I, yeah. how am I supposed to read your mind? But but uh, anyway, let's move on to the actual game itself. Packers at the Dolphins. What's more likely the Dolphins miss the playoffs or the Packers make the playoffs? Which one would you say is more likely? Well, the Packers need so many things to happen. And I, I do think they've got a chance for those things to happen. But I still would go toward it's more likely the Dolphins don't make the playoffs. They have the Packers, Patriots, and Jets left. And, you know, they may need to win out to get in. You look at what they've done, Mike, over the last two years. They were 9-8 and eight in 2021 and missed the playoffs. With They lost to the Titans in Week 17, and that killed them. Uh, they won eight of their last nine that last year. Ten and six in 2020. They went two and two in their last four. Two of those losses were Chiefs and Bills. I get that. But if you want to make the playoffs, this is when you got to win. And the Dolphins are facing what they faced the last two years and couldn't get it done, even with nine wins and ten wins. So I would go with it's more likely that the Dolphins miss the playoffs. It's strange to think that there's a vibe that the Dolphins are moving in the right direction because they've lost three games in a row. But their performance last Saturday night against the Bills caused people to believe that they can finish the job and they can get one of the seven spots in the AFC. And then what they do with it, obviously, is completely and totally up to them. But I think it's more likely of these two options that the Dolphins miss. Because I'm not ready to – I think it's going to come down to Lions-Packers Week 18 at best for the Packers. They're going to have to beat the Lions Week 18, I believe, because the Lions are going to be the other team that's in position to catch Washington. So I, I think it's more likely the, the Dolphins miss. Is that what I said? Yes. 
I feel yes. like, cause I just feel like the pack. I've, I've all along had this vision of wild card round Packers at Vikings with a bunch of cheese heads in U.S. Bank Stadium and the Vikings getting caught flat footed by a team that they think they should be able to beat or a team that is going to kick the crap out of them on New Year's Day when the Vikings go to Lambeau Field, making the Packers even more confident they can go to Minnesota and win in the postseason. The, the worst case scenario for the Vikings going into the playoffs is the Lions or the Packers being the seventh seed and the Vikings being the two seed because I think the Vikings would be very vulnerable to lose to either of those teams if they have to play them. So anyway, long story bearable, more likely the Packers make the playoffs. Um, here's Aaron Rodgers giving some praise to Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the Dolphins quarterback, who had the most votes for the Pro Bowl but still didn't make the team. I watched a decent amount of his college career. You know, he played at a phenomenal school in the SEC and had a lot of success. Um, I remember the, the night he went in at halftime and in the national championship game, and I think it, just like everybody else, we're thinking, what? Why? And then obviously he showed his incredible ability and had a great career uh, down there. Um, dealt with a couple you know, head injuries this year, which are, which are dangerous, but I enjoy the way that he plays. He plays on time. He throws the ball accurately. Does a nice job with his eye control for a young player. He's got obviously good pocket movement. He can extend plays. They've, he's, they've had a couple pretty incredible uh, fourth quarter comebacks this year, um, where he's been super efficient. You know, he has some some great weapons, but uh, been impressed with the way he plays. I like the way he handles himself too. I think he handles himself with a lot of respect and class, and I think there's a lot to be said for that for a young player. Hey, look, I mean, it's charitable, it's positive, and there's more great stuff in his college career to talk about, but he's put together some great things this year. This is going to be the test, especially this when it's a home game. It's not the elements. It's not Buffalo. It's not snow. It's not wind. It's not any of the stuff that he'd have to deal with if he was playing a road game this weekend anywhere west of Colorado or east, as the case may be. East, west, north, south. They know who we mean. So, uh... I think two is on the right track. I think this is a huge, huge game for him personally because their team is better than the Packers. It doesn't mean he's better than Aaron Rodgers if he wins, but the team is good enough that he should be able to carry them to a victory. And if they lose another one, that's when you start really taking seriously the questions that are just beginning to creep back in on the fringes, Shereen. Yeah, absolutely. You can write off those last three games, Mike. They have lost three in a row, but they were all on the road, and it's hard to win three in a row on the road, and they lost all three, I get, but that was just a tough stretch for them, and they are home, and I know it's supposed to be in the 50s, and you're right that the elements just aren't going to be there uh, in this game, so he has a chance to go in and, and lead the Dolphins to the to the playoffs in these last three games, and they have a chance, and so this is what you want, and you know, Mike, we we talked about sometimes these these wild card teams are fighting so hard to the end, and they're hot, and they and they finish uh, on a winning streak to get in the postseason. And and these other teams are resting players, and it's going to be interesting if the Packers do win this game. They play the Vikings next week, right? I think. And what are the yes. Vikings going to do? Because they they are not going to improve their their positioning. They're going to have clinched and. What do you do? Because you face the prospect of playing the Packers in the postseason, but if you, you have a chance to eliminate them as well. So what are, what are the Vikings going to do in that game? That's going to be an interesting do game. What you, do what you can to knock out them out. I agree. But here's the key. Absolutely. Here's the key. Vikings are still, Vikings are still in that two or three, two or three, and it's always better to be two, even if you know 
You're going to have to play the Lions or the Packers. It's better to be two than three. Because if you're three and you beat the Giants or the Commanders or whoever, you got to go to San Francisco, most likely. If they're going to play the 49ers, you want that game in Minnesota, not in San Francisco. You want Brock Purdy to have to walk into that stadium with the skull clap and all the noise and everything that goes along with it. So I think it's a no-brainer. Vikings do everything they can to beat the Packers at Lambeau Field. I don't know that they can. Should be an interesting game. It's a 425 p.m. Eastern game on New Year's Day. Let's take a break. By the way, it's Festivus. Happy Festivus to everyone out there who chooses to celebrate in honor of the made-up holiday courtesy of Seinfeld. We're going to air some grievances when PFT Live continues right after this. It is Festivus. Today is the day, December 23. Frank Costanza selected for his alternative to Christmas. He celebrated with a metal pole. There was a Festivus meal, and there was also airing of grievances. Peter King, who usually is with us on Fridays, traveling to the West Coast, or is already there, he has a message for us in honor of 2022 Festivus. Here's a little hello from Peter. Mike Florio. Happy Festivus. You know, there's three Festivus miracles this year. The first one, you and Aaron Rodgers haven't gouged each other's eyes out yet. But, you know, we still got a week left in this year, so who knows? Second Festivus miracle. You and Daniel Snyder have not had a duel at 10 paces. And let me tell you, I really want to see that. Can you see if you can make that happen? here in Festivus. And number three, you and Chris Sims actually seem to get along. Now, I, I'm not sure if that's true, if it's only for the cameras. I don't know, but you do a really good job faking it. And Mike, listen, I just want to tell you one thing as we head into this wonderful season of Festivus. I don't know if I'm going to be on this planet 10 more minutes or 10 more years, or 30 more years. But as long as I'm on this planet, I really want to record a Festivus video every single year. Happy Festivus to everyone at PFT. Well done, Peter King. And the feats of strength. I forgot about the feats of strength. That would be a perfect opportunity for Aaron Rodgers to gouge my eyes out. Oh, God, that would be. <laughs> I mean, the guy's like 6'5", and he's got giant hands. I wouldn't last 10 seconds. But uh, regardless, let's air a couple of grievances, Shireen. Do you have one in honor of this spirit of Festivus? Well, Mike, I'm going to say we just heard about the Pro Bowlers on Wednesday. And now that we don't have a Pro Bowl game, tell me why we need 88 Pro Bowlers. I didn't even think we needed 88 Pro Bowlers <laughs> when we did have a game. And frankly, it always became over 100 Pro Bowlers because guys pulled out and they put other guys in and everyone is considered a Pro Bowler, whether you showed up at the game or didn't show up at the game. And how many of those guys actually are going to go to the go to the festivities this year, the flag football game? How many of those 88 players are going to be there? And if you're going to have 88 players and say half of them don't go, are you going to replace them? Are we going to end up with 150 pro bowlers or something like that? I just don't think now, especially that we don't have a game, 
that you need that many pro bowlers. We need fewer pro bowlers. You don't need three quarterbacks for a flag football game. I've been reluctant to criticize the new approach because for years I'd been saying, just name the team, but don't play the game. I didn't realize there was an intermediate possibility where they would gather the players for something, whatever it's going to be. I'm not a big fan of that, this made-for-TV shenanigans that no one is going to care about. They've been doing the skills competition with dodgeball and whatnot for the past several years. I watched the first year and decided I will never watch this again. I'll watch football. (laughs) This ain't football. Um, So I I agree with you on that, but I have been treading lightly on complaining about anything Pro Bowl related because I just wanted them to stop the game, and they did. So I appreciate that. A Festivus wish from some past year has indeed come true. Here's my, my next one, and this one isn't coming true anytime soon. The NFL announced yesterday that Sunday Ticket will now be part of Google and YouTube. If you have YouTube TV, you can buy it as an add-on, or you can get it through a YouTube premium channel through any internet connection. You can still keep whatever cable or satellite hookup you have for your TV. You'll be able to get YouTube Sunday ticket that way. Fine. Great. Perfect. But one of the footnotes to all of this that's been lost in the conversation, Apple really wanted to buy it, and Apple wanted to make it cheaper for all of you. Mm-hmm. Apple wanted to make it more affordable. Apple wanted a lower price point. Apple wanted it more accessible. You know, the more people who get it, it's like pricing anything else. The lower the price, the more people buy it. And this is a product that they can give to anyone. They don't have to have an assembly line going, oh, we're going to run out of Sunday ticket. Anyone can get it. So Apple ended up pulling out because the NFL, as I understand the reporting from CNBC and other things I've seen and heard, The NFL didn't want to have to go back to CBS or Fox and maybe give them back some of their money for the Sunday package they have because they want the price to be high because they want people to not get Sunday ticket and just turn on their TV and watch their local CBS or Fox game on Sunday afternoon. I get it. I understand it. But if this is about taking care of your customers, the people who make this game go, the people who want to be able to watch any game whenever they want, when you market the entire league to every fan out there, why not make it as cheap as it can be for as many fans as possible to enjoy any game they want, any day they want. That is my Festivus grievance, but it's not going to be rectified by next year because it's a seven-year deal between the NFL and YouTube, Shireen. So maybe in eight years, Mike, you'll get your wish. Hopefully I'll live that long. I just want to make it eight (laughs) days at this point because it's a couple of great weekends of football coming up and a great weekend for the holiday season. We're going to do our Show Me Something draft for week 16 as we get closer and closer to the end of this Friday edition of PFT Live. My favorite holiday tradition is decorating the Christmas tree with my kids, put on a little Nat King Cole, put the lights, the ornaments on. That's one of my favorites. Is reading towards the night before Christmas the night before. My dad used to do it. It's one of the greatest things there is. When everyone in my family comes over to my mom's house and we all put on pajamas and watch the Polar Express together. Christmas Eve. I'm Italian, but we don't do the Feast of the Seven Fishes. I feast on one fish, shrimp. A lot of it. At least 20, maybe 30. This in the Dungey household is before the kids can open their presents, they have to bake a birthday cake for Jesus and sing happy birthday. And that's our tradition. All right, Shereen, what's yours? What's your favorite Christmas tradition? I, 
you know, I think it's the Christmas Eve church service. I, I think that's my favorite. But we always do a meal after that, and obviously not going to happen tomorrow. So we're going to 11 p.m. service tomorrow night. And so we're having our meal actually tonight. So Christmas Eve is sort of tonight. Another great tradition for watching do. Bad Santa. Well, I watch Bad Santa with my son in the barn. We already watched it once. We may watch it again. Uh, but uh, a lot of fun coming up over the next few days, and we hope everyone out there has a safe and happy holiday season. All right, show me something. Week 16, which begins, well, began last night, but really gets going tomorrow. Shereen, what do you have? Well, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are not pro bowlers. Speaking of pro bowlers, Mike, and guess who is? Geno Smith is a pro bowler. So show me something, Geno Smith. You have a chance to make the postseason you guys have lost four of your last five games. You close out with the Chiefs, the Jets, and the Rams. You'd probably need to win all three of those games. You've got a big chance to make a big statement this week. If you're a pro bowler, you're going to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. I tell you what, I'll be a believer in the Seahawks if they can win this week, Mike. Show me something Gardner Minshew and not just that kick-ass mustache. Show me that you can be a starting quarterback for an NFL team because – your contract expires, as you surely know, after this season. You'll be able to sign with anyone you want, and anyone who wants to consider you as a starting quarterback will have the ability to do it. What better way to audition for the league than at 425 p.m. Eastern, the only 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff on Christmas Eve, coast-to-coast, coast, everyone sees it, opportunity knocks for Gardner Minshew. Maybe this week, maybe next week, maybe the week after that, who knows. But for Minshew, if he wants to get back, into the starting lineup anywhere. This is his chance to do it, Shireen, against the Dallas Cowboys on Christmas Eve. And there's another backup quarterback, Mike, who has a chance to shine this week, who hasn't shown very much this year, and that's Malik Willis, and he'll get his chance the rest of the way. And he's got a big opportunity this week, and he hasn't looked like the quarterback that the the Titans thought they were getting when they drafted him. Mike Vrabel may or may not have wanted Willis, but it's who he's got for this week, and he's got to figure out a game plan for a guy who in two starts has completed 44.7% of his passes uh, this year. That's total in his seven appearances, but he was 11 for 26, 135 yards, an interception in the games he started with a better runner than, than he was a passer. And, of course, the opponents all know that. The Texans know that. So he's going to have to throw some passes and complete some passes, Mike, and that hasn't been an easy thing for him this year. And the playoff hopes are riding on his ability to do it. And look, not really a rookie anymore, not with this many games already played in 2022. Show me something, Taylor Heineke. There's already some rumbling coming straight from the head coach of the Washington Commanders that Carson Wentz could be reinserted. As Rivera said earlier this week, at some point you have to think about making quarterback change. Now, whether that was inadvertent, accidental, or deliberate, it's something Taylor Heineke is going to be thinking about, oh, when he goes up against the best defense in the National Football League. No pressure, Taylor. Just go out there and try to beat a team that has choked off the ability of offenses throughout the league to score points. But the reality is, as the commanders get closer and closer to elimination, it could be one last chance for Carson Wentz. This could make it one last chance, Shireen, for Taylor Heineke. It sure could, Mike. And we've picked all quarterbacks, so I'm going to go with the defensive guy for my next pick, Micah Parsons. He talked the talk two weeks ago looking ahead to the Eagles. Now he has a chance to walk the walk going forward. We'll see if he can get it done 
against Gardner Minshew and the Eagles after questioning Jalen Hurts' MVP candidacy, which, by the way, his odds have taken a hit. Patrick Mahomes is now the favorite. So if if he misses those three games, Jalen Hurts, maybe he doesn't win the MVP award, which you consider that Carson Wentz may have won the MVP award in 2017 if he had stayed healthy. And ultimately, as as Patrick Mahomes told me on Sunday, he'd much rather win the Super Bowl than the MVP, and the Eagles that year won the Super Bowl, but not thanks to Carson Wentz, thanks to Nick Foles. Show me something, Bill Belichick. And I really can't believe that there is a plausible argument to be made that the Patriots may be at least pondering the possibility of their inevitable life without Belichick. But after what we saw last week, the failure to have Jacoby Myers ready to not do the dumbest thing we've ever seen on a football field. Before that, to have Ramondre Stevenson realize he shouldn't even begin the process. He shouldn't have initiated this whole Stanford band thing. I suggested at one point this week that maybe when Stevenson flipped it to Myers, he thought maybe we're losing this game and I've got the score wrong. I'd better throw it and keep it alive. Before any of that, it was a failure of coaching. It was a failure of situational football. We hear about that all the time from Bill Belichick, the master of situational football. Shireen, with three seconds left on your own 45 and no timeouts in a tie game, what do you do? What do you do? You take a knee. You take a knee. None of this ever happens. If Bill Belichick does what anyone who supposedly understands situational football would have done in that moment, take a knee. A knee. You're not going to score a touchdown. You're possibly going to get somebody injured. And maybe, just maybe, you're going to give all of us the most ridiculous, upside-down, twisted, bizarro Stanford band play we ever could have seen. So, I think the heat's on Bill Belichick. Whether anyone realizes it or not, whether he realizes it, whether he cares, let's see what he can do against the Cincinnati Bengals Christmas Eve at home in front of the fans of the Patriots who maybe getting to the point where they've seen enough. You may be getting to the point where you've seen enough. If that's the case, you're in luck. We don't have much more to do. We'll be back to wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. You know, we love a good weather game. We like it when it snows. We like it when it's pretty on the TV. I don't think we're going to like what we see this weekend because it's going to be windy, it's going to be cold, it's going to be nasty, and it's going to mess up some games. And a lot of these games are going to be played outdoors. And it's amazing how quickly it's happened. It's four degrees here, and the wind has been whipping. And uh, I thank God I went out and did everything that I needed to do yesterday because I'm not going anywhere today. And the Steeler game tomorrow night, the good news is, Shireen, it warms up to 10 degrees at kickoff tomorrow night. If this was a one o'clock game tomorrow in Pittsburgh, Eastern time, it would be three degrees when the game begins. But I've been to one of those games, AFC championship, 2004, single digits, misery, misery. So, uh, and you know, it's Christmas Eve. People, I I think we're going to see some empty seats in a lot of these stadiums tomorrow. I think people just aren't going to want to mess with it. Why do you want to go out there and be miserable in the cold on Christmas Eve? You got other things you can do. And it's hit the whole country, Mike. It's 12 here in Dallas-Fort Worth, minus four wind chill. It's everywhere, even in Miami, which we talked about. It's going to be in the 50s, which is cool for Miami. They'll probably have to break out the parkas in Miami for the 50s, Mike. 
I just hope it doesn't snow in Dallas because <laughs> I learned more than a decade ago yeah. the snow removal strategy no snow. in Dallas-Fort Worth. Go hide under the bed until it all melts. <laughs> and, and sometimes right. it takes a week for all of it to melt. But uh, it, it, it just it, it is a factor. And we were talking yesterday how we hope that a lot of people will be present for the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which is also today, 3.41 p.m. Eastern, is when that play happened. Franco Harris passing. It, it would be fitting for that stadium to be full, but that's a lot to ask yeah. for people to go out there on Christmas Eve when they have their plans made and it's going to be ridiculously cold. Hopefully they'll find a way to do a proper remembrance of Franco Harris. Maybe week one. I saw Andrew Filipponi of 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh suggested maybe week one of next year, a massive celebration for Franco Harris in Pittsburgh. He deserves it. Thanks for some of your time as always. Have a great weekend. Merry Happy Christmas. holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.